the president wants for Christmas is a speedy trial. The lead starts right now. President Trump with some holiday jeers going after so-called dirty cops and House Speaker Nancy Pelosi as he says he'll go along with whatever Mitch McConnell wants for the Senate impeachment trial. Rudy Giuliani unplugged. The president's lawyer claims he knows how not to commit crimes and has a rather colorful message about his legacy. Plus, a holiday health scare. Travelers at multiple U.S. airports exposed to measles. Warnings from officials ahead. Welcome to The Lead on this Christmas Eve. I'm Erica Hill. In today for Jake, we begin with the politics lead. President Trump, more naughty than nice, while speaking to reporters at his Mar-a-Lago resort. Mr. Trump railing on impeachment, the FBI's role in the Russia investigation, going after House Speaker Nancy Pelosi for withholding the articles of impeachment from the Senate, and as CNN's Boris Sanchez reports, the president reiterating he trusts Republican Majority Leader Mitch McConnell to do whatever he wants when it comes to the pending trial. And Merry Christmas. Immediately after delivering a Christmas message thanking U.S. troops for their service, President Trump delivering a Christmas rant on impeachment. They treated us very unfairly. They didn't give us due process. They didn't give us a lawyer. They didn't give us anything. Now they come to the Senate and they want everything. As the process reaches a standstill, Trump voicing support for Mitch McConnell, saying the Senate Majority Leader has the right to do whatever he wants with the impeachment trial. We're in a very good position. Uh, ultimately, that decision is going to be made by Mitch McConnell, and he will make it. You know, he has the right to do whatever he wants. He's the head of the Senate. And the president again lashing out at House Speaker Nancy Pelosi. She hates the Republican Party. She hates all of the people that voted for me and the Republican Party, and she's desperate to do. Even predicting impeachment will cost Democrats control of the House in 2020. She got thrown out as Speaker once before. She lost like 63 seats, 61 or 63, tremendous, a record-setting number of seats. I think it's going to happen again. Trump also using the moment to spread debunked conspiracy theories, repeating false claims about the FBI spying on his campaign and suggesting Attorney General William Barr is working to take them down. Hopefully it's going to be taken care of. The Attorney General's working and everybody's working. As the president spends the holiday consumed with political battles, the White House announcing the promotion of a key official who was on the line during Trump's famous July 25th call with President Zelensky of Ukraine. The new special representative on international telecommunications policy, Robert Blair, a top aide to Mick Mulvaney who refused to testify before House impeachment investigators. And Erica, President Trump, while speaking with the troops today, told them that he mostly spends his time here at Mar-a-Lago working. A short time later, our cameras captured him on the golf course for the second straight day, at least the second straight day. Of course, there's nothing wrong with President Trump spending some time off, uh, relaxing on the golf course. We should remember, though, how critical he was of former President Obama when he would golf and how often President Trump complained of taxpayers having to foot the bill. Erica. Boris Sanchez with the latest for us from Florida. Boris, thank you. As we unpack everything we're seeing on this Christmas Eve, Scott, I want to start with you. Um, if Senator McConnell does, in fact, on no insist rather on no witnesses in the Senate trial, do you think the president, who has said he'd like to hear from witnesses, he'd like a big trial, do you think he'll be okay with that? Yeah, I do. I think he trusts Senator McConnell. They have a good working relationship. You've heard him say publicly now 
many times that he trusts Senator McConnell to make the right decisions for the Senate. And I also don't think he likes it, uh, the president, I mean, that Nancy Pelosi is trying to run the Senate. I mean, this whole charade is about her trying to, she runs the House, now she wants to run the other chamber. I don't think the president likes that. And he's got a good, strong ally in Mitch McConnell. So look, whatever McConnell could come up with, I think the president will be fine with. McConnell's stated position is, let's have the same rules that we had in the Clinton impeachment, and the Democrats won't even go along with that. So I think we're in uncharted uh, waters here, but maybe we'll know more in a couple of weeks. Can I just, let, let's just take a step back, though. Essentially, Mitch McConnell, there's no reason to trust him at this point. And I think Nancy Pelosi is wisely trying to ensure some degree of fairness. Mitch McConnell and Lindsey Graham have essentially said that when they signed the oath, which is the procedure that happens in the Senate to say that they will be unbiased and consider all the evidence, that that will be a lie because they've already said they've made up their minds, they're coordinating with President Trump, and they're not really interested in the evidence or the facts. And I will tell you a number of polls, including one released by LawWorks just last week, a majority of Americans want to see all of the evidence laid out. So this behavior on the part of the president and Mitch McConnell, Americans know what it is. It is about hiding the truth. And I think we saw a great example of that yesterday in the uh, emails that were released that where we saw that it was just 90 minutes after the president had that phone call uh, where the OMB was already at work withholding the aid. Uh, okay, I think it's, import it's important to, to remember that the evidence and the information was laid out over in the House impeachment inquiry, and it has been laid out. And there, at the end of the day, Karen, uh, the American people are still split on this. We have what is virtually a Rorschach test. People are going to see what they want to see here. Those on the left, the Democrats, have always wanted to impeach the president. They will support well, that's that. That's not true. And, but, okay. and many on the right, uh, I've been open-minded on this. I, I think the call, some of it may have been inappropriate but certainly not worthy of impeachment. Uh, uh, people on the right, the, the Republicans, are looking at this and saying there is no there there. There is no underlying crime, and we should not move forward with impeachment. So, so, so the key is uh, the Senate, it, this is hopefully soon will be in the Senate's hand for them to, to continue what they need to do and put this behind us. I, I'm for Mitch McConnell's strategy here, and let's get this ball, get this rolling, and get this behind us so we can focus on what the American people are concerned with, and it's not impeachment. That's that's one of the largest issues we have, though. I mean, I, I think that if we're starting from a point where people understand that something was wrong, that something in that call was inappropriate, we can't even get people to admit that. The fact is, we have to have John Bolton testify. You have to have Mick Mulvaney testify. You have to have a full and thorough picture. And to my friend Scott Jennings, I love Scott. Merry Christmas to you and yours. <laughs> the fact is, this is nothing like the uh, Bill Clinton impeachment. Right. The, the, the central reason is this. Bill Clinton testified under oath. He lied under oath, but he testified under oath. The fact remains that Donald Trump refuses to, and there still are questions about whether or not the answers he submitted are actually honest and forthright. So if he would like to testify under oath, I think then you have an apples to apples comparison. Until, there, until let then me, we let don't. Let me just bring this and, up and, too. And let, me, let, me, let me just also say this real, real, really, really quickly. Yeah. I, I think that Nancy Pelosi should hold the articles of impeachment until we can understand that there will be a full and fair trial. Mm -hmm. While there are United States senators, while Mitch McConnell, who is nothing more, let me remind viewers, he's nothing more than a jury foreman in this. That's what he is. The person who presides is the chief justice. Until people want to understand that we can get a full and fair, fair trial, Nancy Pelosi needs to make sure that and ensure that we get that. Here's, the, here's one thing that, that definitely has stood out. One of the key witnesses could be 
perhaps former National Security Advisor John Bolton. He, of course, is on that shortlist that Chuck Schumer was asking for. Here's what one of his former aides had to say on CNN this morning. Take a listen. Nothing is stopping him from writing an op-ed, giving a speech, or appearing on a program like this to explain his views. Forgive me for being snarky and blunt, but he's stealing a page from Omarosa's uh, playbook by arguing essentially that, you know, I've got something really important to say, but you're going to have to wait to hear it. Yeah. You know, I... Erica, to that point, I mean, I, I just want to correct uh, Scott and, and Allison here. I mean, number one, uh, this gentleman is exactly right. You know, Bolton is one of the people we have not heard from. And there are a number of key witnesses that we didn't hear from in the House. And that's because the president is obstructing Congress. So there, all the facts have not actually been laid out. Certainly, there is no reason other than trying to sell books that John Bolton, you know, he's been giving interviews. So he's clearly and speeches. So he's out and about. Why not do your civic duty and come forward and tell the truth? I mean, we have people like, you know, Lieutenant Colonel Vindman, who at great risk to themselves and mockery by the president of a Purple Heart winner, a just shameful mockery of someone who came forward to tell the truth. Others at their own risk came forward to tell the truth. It should not be a hard thing for John Bolton to do that. Let me just say thank you, Karen, for pointing out what I see as a big problem here is that the facts have not all been laid out. You just all said the they were, though. So you're You just said, and all the more reason why those in the House should not have rushed forward with articles of impeachment. And if they were so uh, solid and so uh, sure of what they had, they would be rushing it over to the Senate uh, for them to begin their trial. But they, they're not certain and they're not confident in what they have. Here's one thing that is certain. We yeah, are out of time about for this segment, but we will continue it? to talk about it. I'm going to have to stop you all there, but there is much more to come. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, as we talk about all of this, could he have a trick up his sleeve as he looks to get this impeachment trial started with or without Democrats? Plus, the scary holiday health warning for travelers here in the U.S. is ahead. Republican sources tell CNN today Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell does want to cut a deal with Minority Leader Chuck Schumer on the ground rules for the pending impeachment trial. But, and yes, there is a but, those sources also say he may want to do that, but McConnell is willing to go it alone. Let's go straight to CNN's Lauren Fox. So Lauren, McConnell, of course, needs the support of 51 senators to approve the rules that would not be too tough to get with a Republican majority. Well, that's exactly right, Erica. And I will tell you that a lot of moderates that we've been talking to have really been coalescing around the idea that Majority Leader Mitch McConnell has been talking about for a couple weeks now. Essentially, you would give the Democrats an opportunity to make their case from the House managers. Then the White House would have an opportunity to respond and support the president. After that, there would be a vote, essentially, to have the articles of impeachment before them, then you would vote on whether or not to remove the president. And I will tell you that a lot of Republicans that we're talking to are saying they could come around to that idea. Meanwhile, you have, Nan meanwhile, you have Nancy Pelosi, the Speaker of the House, who's still holding on to those two articles of impeachment right now. And Chuck Schumer, the Democratic leader in the Senate, is arguing that he needs to have witnesses negotiated before this Senate trial begins. That's where things stand. And I'll tell you, it might be the holiday Days, but that impasse between McConnell and Schumer is going to be sticking around for a couple more days. Erica? 
Yeah, maybe with us well into 2020. Lauren, thank you. <laughs> I want to bring in now Elliot Williams, who served as counsel to the Senate Judiciary Committee. Good to have you with us. You actually hey, worked you. worked alongside Chuck Schumer, of course. Um, he's now demanding new documents in, in light of these emails uh, that were released because of a FOIA request over the weekend, uh, specifically uh, the emails that showed, of course, just 90 minutes passing between the president's July 25th call with Ukraine's President Zelensky and the hold on the aid being communicated to the Pentagon. Here's the issue, though, as he's asking for witnesses, as he's asking for evidence here. We know, of course, that the administration never responded to, I believe it was 71 subpoenas and requests for information. So the question being, could these demands play out differently in a Senate trial? Well, a little bit differently, Erica, because look, in the Senate, um, the minority just has more power than the minority in the House of Representatives. And so, yes, Senator Schumer can push for votes on some of these controversial issues, and it's in his incentive to do so because um, exactly as you were talking about in the prior segment, there are about five uh, vulnerable Republican senators who are up for re-election this year. Uh, And frankly, it's in Senator Schumer's interest to put them in a position of having to vote on this question of whether the president and his allies have obstructed this process. And so certainly a vote could come up and far more easily than it could have in the House uh, in the prior proceeding. And as this does play out differently, because it is a trial in the Senate with, of course, uh, the Chief Justice, John Roberts, presiding over that trial, could he compel witnesses to testify? He really can't. You know, the Chief Justice has largely a ceremonial role over these proceedings, as shown by the fact that um, 51 senators can actually overrule a ruling of the Chief Justice if we come to a Senate trial. So, like, look, going back to 1999, Chief Justice Rehnquist um, dressed up like a character from uh, Gilbert and Sullivan. It's largely, he really did, you know. He put stripes on his on his robe. It's a ceremonial role. It's an important role. It's laid out in the Constitution. But he can't uh, dictate the terms of this in the way that both Schumer and McConnell can. We will be watching to see if McConnell and Schumer can come up with an agreement first before we get to that next part. Elliot, good to see you. Thank you. Happy course, holidays. You too. The president's lawyer certainly has a lot to say. Rudy Giuliani's blunt message for those who wonder about the legacy he's leaving. Giuliani isn't exactly a guy who shies away from the spotlight. The president's personal attorney giving a wide-ranging, head-scratching interview recently, though, defending his ties to Ukraine while suggesting he'd cross-examine witnesses at a Senate impeachment trial. He also touted his legacy, all of this over Bloody Marys in Manhattan. And even for Rudy, it was somewhat revealing. Uh, As we take a closer look in this interview, in this piece, Giuliani also suggested he would love to represent President Trump in a Senate trial If there were witnesses saying, quote, I'm great at it. It's what I do best as a lawyer. That's what I would be good at. He went on to say, I could rip, you know, I hate to sound like a ridiculously boastful lawyer, but cross-examining them would be, I don't know. I could have done it when I was a second-year assistant U.S. attorney. They're a bunch of clowns. Bakari, as an attorney, (laughs) how do you think Rudy Giuliani would do, in fact, representing Donald Trump? Would you advise it? Listen, no, no, I wouldn't advise it first as a lawyer. (laughs) Let me just state the truth. But second, I think all of us would say that we would pay good money to watch this. I mean, Rudy Giuliani is, uh, you know, a step away from imprisoning himself. Uh, There is no one else out there who was talking more, trying to get themselves indicted than Rudy Giuliani. Um, I I think he needs a lawyer himself other than trying to represent the president of the United States. In fact, I, I think it's also fair to say that Rudy Giuliani literally has walked this president to the doorstep of impeachment. I dare say we might not be here 
uh, but for Rudy Giuliani and the way that he talks and cavorts around. But I also have to give props to Newsy um, on this piece. I mean, it was an amazing piece. And the fact that he is so attention starved that he misses the days uh, that he was the mayor of New York, that he'll do anything to sit in front of someone and, and, and blabber on or sit in front of a camera. I just feel, I almost feel, if he wasn't such a criminal, I would feel sorry for Rudy Giuliani. Um, it, it, it's, it's, he is a, he's doing a detriment to his client. I can honestly say that as an attorney, um, on my professional oath, and when you look at Rudy Giuliani, there are a number of people who could do the president better service than him. And he is fundamentally doing the president a disservice. Scott, he talked about his appearances on television and he said people who think he being the president doesn't like me on television. I don't know where they get that from. It's just the opposite. Sources, though, have told CNN while the president hasn't dismissed Rudy, just about everyone around Mr. Trump is saying he doesn't help. Has he helped the president, Scott? Could he help him in a Senate trial? No, no, he's not helped the president at all. And I actually agree, agree with Bakari. Me and Scott agree. His, his yeah. appearance. Yeah. I think yeah. it's a Christmas miracle. Police now they died his, or something. Let's go. I love it. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, his insertion into this whole thing is the single worst fact for the president. If you really wanted to investigate somebody that you thought was corrupt, there are official U.S. government channels you could, you know, you could use to do that and do it in an appropriate way. But when you send an unappointed, unelected you know, uh, minister or ambassador at large uh, who is functioning as your personal attorney, maybe on behalf of your campaign and certainly trying to coordinate with government officials. It, it muddies the waters and it's and it creates bad facts as a PR person, by the way. Let me just give uh, the kids at home some advice on the record. Bloody Mary's never a good idea. <laughs> Always off the record. Bloody Mary's off the record. Bloody Mary's. That is you know, three tell me tip for the day. today, by the way, in this I, segment. I will, second, I will second that advice. Yes. That day drinking with a reporter is never a good idea, <laughs> no. uh, specifically Olivia Nunzi. And, and this just goes to show that. Look, it's unfortunate. Rudy Giuliani in, in his day was a stellar cross exam, could do some stellar cross examination. He was a phenomenal mayor. But unfortunately, as a result of this piece and um, similar news stories, he's gone from virtually uh, America's mayor to Dudley Moore and Arthur, if you read this piece. And, and it is unfortunate. And no, he absolutely should not have anything to do with the impeachment proceedings. He should not be on the field. He shouldn't even be in the parking lot. And I hope this, <laughs> this article even further represents why that so, does not need to happen. So, Karen, speaking of yeah. his legacy, so, so th this really stood out as well in this piece. So in talking about his legacy, uh, you know, Olivia writes he reads his own press. He sees that his friends and these sources close to him are being weaponized by the conspirators, helping to paint a public portrait of a man unglued. The same concerned people who've told him to be careful with his legacy. Mm -hmm. And my attitude, he says, about my legacy is effort. We can all figure out what the asterisks mean there. <laughs> there is, but there yeah. is a, a serious question about what did happen to America's mayor, the yeah. man so many people outside of New York got to know in the wake of 9-11, and how does that square with the Rudy Giuliani we all see today. So can I just say, I actually worked for the New York City Board of Education under uh, the tenure of Rudy Giuliani as mayor. He is a shifty uh, guy. He is nasty. He does not play by the rules. The stuff that I saw him doing was very corrupt, very inappropriate. Um, and so, and I'll tell you, as a former New Yorker, 
part of this slide in terms of his uh, reputation started when he decided he thought he deserved a third term as mayor. And I'll tell you, New Yorkers said, absolutely not. No way. Thanks for what you did. We're ready to move on. So I agree with my colleagues here. So you got a four-peat here. Uh, and it's just sad. It's sad to see because actually he did do a great service to uh, New York and to our country mm-hmm. around 9-11. And now he's just a joke. Uh, well, I would say that the four of you are doing a great service for the country today with your Christmas miracles. <laughs> see, people can agree there can be peace on Earth, yes. even with people on different sides of the political spectrum. We're not done with you yet, though, but let's hold on to the peace for just a moment. Uh, just ahead, two candidates fighting for an Iowa town that isn't big enough for the two of them. It is the battle between Pete Buttigieg and Joe Biden in the final weeks before the first votes of 2020. With the Iowa caucuses just around the quarter, former Vice President Joe Biden and Mayor Pete Buttigieg are struggling to dominate the moderate lane. And as CNN's Jeff Zeleny reports, that means they're fighting for every single voter. When Pete Buttigieg came to town, Sherry Scheib was sitting right there in the front row, listening intently and capturing the moment. As he left, she gave him a high five. I want to high five you again, Sherry. Thank you, Pete. And smiled with satisfaction. So do you walk away from here committed or do you want to go see some of the others first? Well, Joe Biden is also in town tonight and I'm going to go see what he has to say. Two hours later, Scheib and her sister Nancy were there. Thank you for coming to Perry. For an up-close look at Joe Biden. She admires and values Biden's experience. He's been there, so I feel good about that. I'm really happy about that. I like him. But you loved Mayor Pete. I love Mayor Pete. What does a guy do? I don't know. Um, I'm really kind of torn a little bit. I got to think about it and sleep on it. I don't know yet. Just before Christmas, Democrats are still shopping for presidential hopefuls in Iowa. Biden and Buttigieg are going after the same voters, literally, which brought both of them Sunday to the town of Perry, about 45 minutes outside Des Moines. (laughs) For Democrats searching for a more moderate candidate, the choice is stark. A 37-year-old mayor of South Bend, Indiana, delivering an optimistic message. Even in this dark and strange time, I have never been more filled with hope. Or a former vice president twice his age, who offers a dark warning about the consequences of President Trump winning a second term. But if we give him another four years, I believe he will permanently alter the character of the country, at least for several generations. Pat McPherson is torn, applauding Buttigieg's intellect. I think he might be the one. But later impressed by Biden's grasp on the world. So just a couple hours ago, you told me that you were going to sign on the dotted line for Buttigieg. Now you're you want to think about it a little bit longer. I'm probably going to go with Mayor Pete, but um, boy, I just there's just so much to be said for being able to hit the ground running on day one, and, and it's going to be a huge task. While he's trailing Buttigieg in recent polls, Biden is showing that skills from a lifetime in politics also come in handy to people of all ages. Say hi, go ahead. That's it. You got it. Okay. That may be the most intelligent thing you hear all night. Pat Mundy liked the charisma of Buttigieg and worried that Biden may be too old. But after seeing him up close, in this moment, she said she changed her mind. And I made that comment he might be a little old before, but I'm a little old too. And I'm in pretty good shape. And he looks like he's in dynamic shape. So you have quite a decision facing you now. I have a terrific decision facing me. And um, it won't be made lightly. 
So with the Democratic campaign intensifying, with attacks swirling all about, it is notable that neither of these two campaigns have tangled. They've not said a cross word about one another. Of course, the Biden campaign realizes that raising questions about Pete Buttigieg's experience could backfire. But they are watching with interest as Amy Klobuchar does raise those questions. All three candidates competing for the same moderate lane here in Iowa, now less than six weeks until the caucuses. Erica. Counting. Jeff Zeleny, thank you. Uh, as we look at all of this, of course, outside of Iowa, we should point out Joe Biden still maintaining that front runner status. But The New York Times did this recognizability test. You can take it online. Highly recommend it. Um, and they found nearly all Americans say they've heard of Joe Biden, but most under the age of 40 cannot identify him when shown his picture. And research has shown that that visual is something that really sticks with voters, Karen, how much yeah. of a concern should that be for the Biden camp? Oh, I don't think too much. I mean, we're still very early in the process. I know it doesn't feel like that, but really, you know, <laughs> you know, let's remember that the four early states represent only 10 percent of the delegates needed to clinch the nomination. So while Iowa is certainly important and it will give us kind of our first sense of where voters are, the truth is that, you know, we've got a ways to go. Uh, and I think what we'll see is exactly what we saw in Jeff's piece, a lot more of people kind of trying out, you know, dating, right? I'm going to try, I'm going to try Pete, I'm going to try Biden, who knows who's coming through next. Uh, and so I think we're going to see some movement until, again, as we, as I say, once we, once people start having the opportunity to vote. And Jeff, really focusing there on those, on those moderate candidates, right, who are fighting for votes in Iowa. There has really been this clash, though, between the progressives and the moderates over these so-called purity tests. And there's been a lot of pushback on both sides, um, whether it's about Medicare for all, the Green New Deal, fundraising, and some pretty famous now pushback from Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez at a Sanders rally. I just want to remind you all of that moment. Take a listen. For anyone who accuses us for instituting purity tests, it's called having values. It's called giving a damn. Former President Obama recently, just last month, warned about those purity tests, Bakari. So, I mean, how is fighting over purity tests helping win over voters? It's not. And they're called having values and they're called all these other things that uh, AOC stated. But they're also called having purity tests. And I think <laughs> that you're starting to see those backfire with Elizabeth Warren. Uh, this whole wine cave uh, phenomenon uh, attempting to attack Pete Buttigieg from the way that he raises money. Um, is backfiring on her because what we realize is that how did, how did she raise money prior to the f time that she began to run for president of the United States? She raised money the same way. And I am all for overturning Citizens United. I'm all for taking money out of politics. What I'm not for is unilateral disarmament. And individuals who want to go down that path of unilateral disarmament, we cannot beat Donald Trump raising $15 or $27 a person. We simply cannot. And no, I'm not saying that because you take a donation, you're not going to sell your soul for the maximum contribution, which I believe is 2,600 bucks. You're not going to. But what we are going to do is make sure that you can run ads. What we are going to do is make sure that you can get your message to voters, pay for canvassers, make sure field organizers are knocking on doors. That is what you're utilizing those resources for. And so I'm not for these purity tests. I think that they're, I think they're abomination of the process, and I think that they're red herring. Alice, I have real quick 15 seconds to let you tie this one up. Well, certainly, I, I think clearly if you're going to call out someone such as 
Pete Buttigieg for raising money from high dollar donors. You need to make sure you haven't done it yourself. But I did <laughs> want to point out with regard to the Jeff Zeleny piece, this is going to be so exciting, this final stretch. When you have two candidates like them with, with such close on the issues, you have to be out there and connect and get out there and shake hands and take selfies. And it's great to see the candidates out there doing it right now. Pete seems to be doing it a little bit better than the rest, but this is uh, there's going to be a lot of handshaking between now and February. Thank you all. Uh, thank you for the Christmas miracle. Always good to talk to you guys. <laughs> Merry, have a great Christmas. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Up next, travelers don't just have to worry about delays this holiday season. Officials now warning passengers may have been exposed to a highly contagious illness at multiple major airports. A serious measles scare adding to already hectic holiday travel. As CNN's Athena Jones reports, multiple U.S. airports now warning travelers they may have been exposed. This holiday week could come with an unwanted and dangerous surprise, measles. Authorities say people infected with the highly contagious virus traveled through at least five airports in recent days and may have exposed others to the disease. Just the latest in a string of similar incidents this year now happening at the busiest time to travel. An unidentified person visited the airport and several other locations around Austin, Texas, between December 14th and December 17th, including a restaurant, a grocery store, and a Target. Uh, That individual became ill on December the 14th and developed a rash on December the 17th. On that same day, December 17th, he boarded a flight from Austin to Chicago, United Flight 790, Uh, with a connecting flight to Virginia. Health officials are working to inform people who may have been exposed. It's important to remember that measles can be a deadly disease. In Chicago, health officials are investigating possible measles exposures around the same time at O'Hare Airport and two restaurants. The state of Virginia is investigating possible exposures at the Richmond Airport and a doctor's office. On December 11th, three unvaccinated children with measles visiting from New Zealand likely exposed travelers at Denver and Los Angeles International Airports. The CDC is contacting passengers who flew on the same planes. The measles virus spreads through coughing and sneezing and can live in the air for up to two hours. Symptoms can include a high fever, cough, runny nose, pink eye, and of course, a red splotchy rash. On average, it takes about two weeks for the rash to develop, and a person is contagious for four days before and after the rash appears. The best way to stay safe? Make sure you receive the recommended two doses of the vaccine. Measles was declared eliminated in the United States nearly 20 years ago, but there has been an upsurge in cases as vaccination rates have declined. The CDC has reported more than 1,200 measles cases in 31 states in 2019, the highest number in nearly three decades. I consider it really an irony that you have one of the most contagious viruses known to man juxtaposed against one of the most effective vaccines that we have. And yet we don't do and have not done what could be done, namely completely eliminate and eradicate this virus. Now, the CDC says the overall risk of getting a contagious disease on an airplane is low, but like any enclosed or crowded space, planes can create opportunities for transmission. Bottom line here, get vaccinated. If you've been vaccinated, you have a 97% chance of being protected against the measles. Erica. Athena, thank you. From the longest government shutdown ever to the president's impeachment, the top political stories of 2019, next. 2019 started with a stalemate. The government shut down. At a CNN's Dana Bash reports, it is now ending with another over the impeachment trial. 
It has been quite the year in politics. Here are the top nine political stories of 2019. It didn't get as many headlines as other big political stories, but make no mistake about it. Conservative judges. The president's success in getting his judges on the bench will have implications for years to come. Thanks to Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, who is focused like a laser on this, the Senate confirmed a record 50 circuit court judges. McConnell took to Twitter boasting that is already the most in any president's whole first term since 1980. Constitution of the United States. President Trump announced his re-election campaign the day he was inaugurated, a historically early start that his team took advantage of, raising more than $165 million, nearly $100 million in this year alone. It's much more efficient two years out to try to find a possible voter, a possible donor. It's just a considerable advantage that the other side won't have because you just can't replace time. Control of those big coffers, not only his re-election campaign, but the Republican parties, contributed to the president's firm grip on the GOP, which in various ways became even more clearly the party of Donald Trump in 2019. To take back our democracy. The Democrats' 2020 presidential field took shape early in the year as the most diverse ever. More women and candidates of color running for a single party than ever before. The first openly gay candidate, a major contender. The top 12 Democratic presidential candidates are at their positions. It was also the biggest. CNN's October debate was the most crowded stage in the history of presidential primaries. I want to give a reality check here to Elizabeth, because no one on this stage wants to protect billionaires. Not even the billionaire wants to protect billionaires. Uh, We just have different approaches. Your idea is not the only idea. I think as Democrats, we are going to succeed when we dream big and fight hard, not when we dream small and quit before we get started. That shrunk to seven in December, thanks to the party's increasing fundraising and polling thresholds. No question defined the Democratic primary fight this year more than this. Do voters want an ideological revolution or a candidate focused on relief from Donald Trump? At the top of the field, Senators Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren are the revolutionaries, promising sweeping change. While former Vice President Joe Biden, Mayor Pete Buttigieg and Senator Amy Klobuchar say incremental change is more realistic. Nowhere was this more on display than health care. Build on Obamacare, add a public option. 71% of Democrats support Medicare for all. Stay tuned for the answer in 2020. 2019 started with a historic new class of House Democrats. A record number of women sworn in and many more firsts. The first Muslim American women, the first Native American women. And the first female House Speaker in history reclaimed the gavel. I'm particularly proud to be the woman Speaker of the House of this Congress, which marks the 100th year of women having the right to vote. Speaking of Nancy Pelosi, going head-to-head with President Trump is one of the 2019 storylines. Starting with the longest government shutdown in U.S. history. Federal workers will not be receiving their paychecks. The president seems to be insensitive to that. He thinks maybe they could just ask their father for more money, but they can't. The State of the Union speech has 
been uh, canceled by Nancy Pelosi because she doesn't want to hear the truth. In October, a clash over the president deciding to pull troops out of Syria ended in a Pelosi walkout. The president tweeted a photo of Pelosi having what he called an unhinged meltdown. She owned the image, making it her social media cover photo. Article 1 is adopted. The year ended with the speaker reluctantly leading the House and making Trump only the third president in history to be impeached. I pray for the president all the time. After nearly two years, Robert Mueller concluded his Russia investigation with a 448-page report. On the key question of collusion, Mueller's probe did not establish that members of the Trump campaign conspired or coordinated with the Russian government in the election interference activities. It noted 10 instances where the president may have obstructed justice, writing, while this report does not conclude that the president committed a crime, it also does not exonerate him. Much to the outrage of Democrats, Attorney General William Barr tried to play it as exoneration. The evidence developed by the special counsel is not sufficient to establish that the president committed an obstruction of justice offense. Democrats were hoping Mueller would clear it up, but his nearly seven-hour testimony, slow-moving and drama-free, did not. Then, a whistleblower complaint that Trump urged the Ukrainian president to investigate Joe Biden and his son Hunter in exchange for nearly $400 million in U.S. military aid. That call was perfect. Moderate, vulnerable House Democrats who had resisted impeachment before changed their minds and called for an inquiry. An equally reluctant House Speaker announced the House would do just that. The actions taken to date by the president have seriously violated the Constitution. A day later, the White House released a rough transcript of that July conversation. In it was what Democrats would focus their impeachment inquiry on, an apparent quid pro quo. The impeachment inquiry would make its way through the House Intelligence Committee with closed-door witness testimonies, followed by several days of notable public testimony. Was there a quid pro quo? As I testified previously, with regard to the requested White House call and the White House meeting, the answer is yes. Former Trump Russia advisor Fiona Hill called out some of the president's team for carrying out a, quote, domestic political errand and sent a warning. Russia's security services and their proxies have geared up to repeat their interference in the 2020 election. We are running out of time to stop them. Republicans attack the process, generally sidestepping the facts. You can't make your case against the president because nothing happened. Democrats drafted two articles of impeachment abuse of power and obstruction of Congress, which passed the committee and later the full House on party-line votes. The year ending with Donald J. Trump, the third president in history to be impeached. So how does it all end? You're going to have to wait till 2020. Dana Bash, CNN, Washington. Thanks for joining us from our CNN family to yours. Happy holidays. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. 
J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Now streaming exclusively on Max, a new CNN flash talk about the album that has Nashville talking, Call Me Country. Beyonce and Nashville's Renaissance. Watch it at max.com slash callmecountry. Max subscription required.